Whether you're a computer professional or a computer novice, welcome to the Adwa Technologies Podcast. Chronicles in Computing! I'm your host, Adrian Walsh. Welcome to episode two of Chronicles in Computing. I'm your host, Adrian. And this week, an entertaining two cents worth about Australia's national broadband network. How to get into computer programming. And finally, a brief history of the Windows Start button. Let's begin. Australia's National Broadband Network, otherwise known as the NBN, coming to a suburb or township near you, bringing the promise of faster or not-so-fast internet in a not-so-timely fashion and with less speed than promised. Delivering text messages by Raven in the land of the Game of Thrones is clearly proven to be an effective form of communication. Studies have also proven that if you train a pigeon to fly a USB stick with a large enough set of data, the calculation of the speed of data transfer is faster than the majority of internet in Australia. For some of the places who were first to get the NBN, such as a small section of Brunswick in Victoria and the country town of Morpeth in New South Wales, the speeds obtainable are simply awesome. It allows benefits such as remote working, working from home, and companies can even set up small satellite offices for knowledge workers to reduce their commute time if they cannot work from home. They can just travel to an office in the suburbs. It even allows doctors to do remote video consultations with patients. So I'll tell you a funny story about the laying of the NBN cables in Morpeth. Someone I know who lives in this town had the NBN company bury the fibre optic cable less shallow in the ground than they were told it would be. There was a big surprise when they were using the tractor and almost dug up the cable. So as long as people don't dig up cables, Morpeth should continue to have some of the fastest internet in Australia. Unfortunately for other places, politics are getting in the way of an effective and speedy network for everyone. However, this is not a show about politics. South Korea is known to have the fastest internet speed in the world. And places like Japan, not too far behind But the land of Australia is gigantic and we just cannot all have superior, super-fast fibre-optic internet. The NBN company is deploying other technologies such as satellite internet to the more dispersed areas of population. This is definitely not as fast. I mean, how much internet speed is just enough internet speed? There are many not-so-affluent people throughout the world, for example, in India and Africa, and the revolution for them has been not a super-fast internet connection to the home, but by having cheap mobile phones and internet to go along with it for the first time. 
even for myself, travelling around Japan, the apartments that I stayed at all offered complimentary mobile internet. All I had to do was throw a little Wi-Fi plastic internet box in my bag. The mobile internet was wonderful. Australia, though, is limited by the very expensive data plans we have versus many other places in the world. If we want the means and the methods to transfer large amounts of data, we can always find alternate ways to innovate without needing a super-fast fibre-optic connection. I mean, I could always start a company that could courier your downloads via USB stick on the back of a pigeon or by motorbike courier or snail mail, maybe. Overseas and in other large land masses like the USA, there are other methods of getting better internet, such as local government schemes, Google Fiber, and other piecemeal schemes, but these are only small pieces that fit into a much larger puzzle. Again, small ideas, though, when combined, can reach a critical mass for success. Australia will at least eventually have some internet that's decently better than what we currently have, even with the politics and the downgrade of the original plan. If you want to find out more about the NBN, the website is www.nbnco.com.au. And now, let's have a talk about getting into computer programming. Sometimes the application software that comes with our computers or the services we access via the internet are just not good enough for our needs. This is where, if we write a very customised set of instructions for the computer, or say make a website, we can get better results for the task we're trying to achieve. Let me compare writing a computer program to baking a cake. The recipe for the cake includes ingredients, including precise amounts and the methods required to complete the task, which are a set of instructions to be performed, and then a lovely chocolate cake with icing and sprinkles. Maybe a cherry on top comes out as a result. The better the quality of the ingredients that go in, the better the end result. If rubbish goes in, rubbish comes out. We may need to adjust certain amounts of ingredients if we want to have a different result, say if we're making cupcakes instead of a large round cake. And then if we're in the business of making cakes to sell, the recipe needs to be consistently repeated many times over. We can then hand the process of the recipe to a set of workers who can perform the baking a cake task to ours and our customers' satisfaction every time. I will admit that computer programming is not something everyone will want to do, or if they try, they may find it's hard to get their mind around the concepts. I have a university degree with a basis in computer and internet programming, so my mind is trained very well as a programmer. However, you definitely don't need a formal education to get into programming. You just have to be quite process-oriented or want to get into that type of thinking. If you're in, in IT 
or in a job where there's a lot of interaction with IT systems, why would you want to do this? Well, first and foremost, simplifying repetitive tasks with a script or a program, a piece of code, can save time, money, and stop knowledge workers from going insane with repetitive tasks. Even in my IT help desk work, I've written programs to save time on tasks, such as typing the same phrases over and over again on my computer keyboard. Like our process of the recipe of baking a cake, computer programming is simply translating human words, phrases, concepts, etc. into computer speak. Simply, it's similar to how a nation can have many native languages, a computer can speak many languages as well. For those that want to dive into programming, you might ask the question, which languages should I learn? Warning here of contains jargon here's a few for the basics of programming try java and python for making internet websites php html and css for performing repetitive actions on microsoft windows and automating them microsoft's visual basic script or powershell an honorable mention also goes to a new language on the scene lately that's getting very popular for both scripting and for websites, Ruby on Rails. So what do I need to do to get into computer programming, you may ask? All you need is a computer. It doesn't matter whether it's Windows, Apple Mac, Linux, or anything else, just a computer, so long as it's not a tablet or a mobile phone. As I usually say to anyone if you want to start learning technical stuff, just do a Google search or use any other search engine. Even if you do a search for how do I start with computer programming, that's the best way to start. Or how do I begin computer programming with Ruby on Rails, another suggestion. Google or whatever you're using will give you some suggestions to begin with. Also, have a look at um, some of the tutorials that will be on the website in the future. Again, if you're not familiar with programming, it will not be easy to begin with, but the results can be highly rewarding. And finally for this week, Microsoft and the wonderful Windows Start button. As I've previously discussed, when IT companies change the look and feel of their software, it can create havoc for those who are slower to adjust to things that are always changing. Imagine constantly changing around the buttons on your microwave. The most famous thing in IT which keeps changing is the Windows Start button. It's the place that most users of Windows computers have been trained to click with their mouse whenever they want to get to something on their computer. Maybe that is where Apple Macs can seem way more straightforward to use. The computers we use today have what is called a graphical user interface, or a GUI, or GUI. To understand where we are today with computers, let's get a brief insight into computer history. It was in 1973 that the GUI was originally pioneered at the Xerox Corporation in the USA. These computers, called the PARC model, 
were not sold to the public. Apple is the company credited not with having invented the GUI, but the one who first released a GUI computer commercially. In 1979, Apple started development of theirs and released the computer model called Lisa in 1983. There are other computing systems and companies with GUIs, but now let's get on to Microsoft and their version. In 1985, they released Windows version 1. Windows version 2 came sometime after this, and it was not until 1990 that they released Windows version 3. And shortly after that, there's a famous version that was an update called version 3.11. But the revolution came in 1995, when the appropriately named Windows 95 was released. This is where they came up with the innovation of the start button and the start menu, and that's where it originated. An easy way to train people to use a computer for the first time if they are not familiar with computers. Microsoft's marketing campaign also used the phrase, a computer in every home. Click the start button and you'll find everything located easily on your computer. A dream for IT support as well, the help desks to direct and train their users and customers. Microsoft Windows basically became the go-to computing system for everyone because it was thrown in for free with every computer, particularly for the corporate contracts as well. Think uh, Dell, HP. So you have the expectation to need to know Windows as a knowledge worker. There are some exceptions where Apple Macs have always been the expected expected computing system to be used, such as in places with intensive use of graphical imaging, sound, video production. Apple Mac computers are very popular nowadays, though, with their ease of use. No start button or, or menu to learn, just a panel of things that are easy to find and press. Since then, we've seen multiple editions of Windows, such as versions 98, 2000, XP, ME, 7, 8, 10. It was in Windows 7 that we saw Microsoft make an attempt at redesigning the start button and menu, then try to completely eliminate it on Windows 8, to much disgust, and then to bring it back again with a hybrid version in Windows 10, with little bits of Windows 8 mixed with older bits from prior editions. As we move more towards the use of touchscreens with tablet computers like iPads and with smart mobile phones, along with their grotty finger marks, the Windows Start button and menu is not as important anymore. Just swipe your hand and tap with your finger. I look forward to the day when computers are no longer physical devices, that the existential intelligence of the Earth as a computer may be a possibility. Think of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the Earth was destroyed just before the calculations for the great question were complete. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. Talk to it, and you get an answer, which was discussed in episode one about machine learning. For the moment, be happy with your humble Windows start menu in work and home life, or get a Mac. 
the podcast has now come to a close. Please visit www.adwa.net.au. See you next time. <laughs>